So let me ask you, why mobile home parks? There's a lot of reasons. You know, the recession-resistant aspect during even this recent COVID craziness, the ability to value-add through infill is much different than, say, like an apartment complex where you've got to go in and actually renovate units. It's a, it's a whole different strategy with mobile home parks where you, you, you increase the value not by necessarily renovating things. The value-add is through, through infill of vacant lots. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. Thank you very much for listening. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. I'm here today with... Ryan Murdoch, all the way out in sunny Maui. How you doing? All right. Good, you? Good. Doing, good, good morning. Yeah, doing very good. Good evening, good, good afternoon. Good afternoon, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, it all blurs together after a while. So it's all good. When you're all over the world. You know, I did one podcast episode as a guest, and I've been a guest on a ton of podcasts with a group based in Hawaii. And so okay. but their scheduling, you know, obviously the scheduling was totally different. And they both actually work full time. So you to stay the host, for that one. The host, so yeah, so we had to like figure it out. I ended up doing it, I don't know what time of the day it was, but it was it was totally off hours, I remember that. But yeah, a little bit about Ryan in case uh, anyone who wants to know. Ryan has been in real estate for quite some time. Before that, he, he had about 10 years in the electronics manufacturing industry. So he's been in real estate for you know about close to a decade and a half doing so many different things, whether it's in retail, you know, he was in office, multifamily. He was not only in the brokering side on the project management side and uh, property management. I meant not project management, property management side. There's not so much project management in real estate, but you get what I mean. So now he's really focusing on mobile home parks. And so that's kind of an interesting topic. We haven't really talked much about that in our podcast and we're not really a subject matter podcast anyways, but we haven't talked to too many people who are in that space. And I think it's pretty, pretty amazing that you're doing that. And one more thing about Ryan, in case you didn't know, that he works at Bigger Pockets which is probably the coolest jobs, you know, a person can have in the real estate industry because bigger pockets, if you don't know, it's, it's the top number one place, you know, real estate website forum, everything in the world. So Ryan, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good side hustle. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, tell me a little about that, you know, quote unquote side hustle of yours. What, what exactly do you do at bigger pockets? Well, that started out about a year and a half ago when I had just come out to Maui to visit Brandon, actually, he had uh, bought a house out here and just sent me a text message. Hey, if I fly you out for a week, can you help me get settled in my house? He had a shipping container and some logistical things getting moved in that he wanted help with. So I came out here just intending to stay for a week and pretty much never left. Uh, I went home to back to Maine just long enough to list my house for sale, get rid of all my stuff, grab the wife and dogs and come back out here. But part of that plan to get me here was obviously I had to make a living somehow. And I got a portfolio of rental properties back in Maine. I was doing some consulting. I was a real estate broker there. So I was going to leave all that behind to move to Maui, which was very exciting to move to Maui, but I needed some sort of income, obviously. So uh, one component of that was at the same time, Brandon was looking for an assistant for his bigger pockets content. So his, his webinar production and podcast production and, and all the stuff that, that goes along with with Brandon being at Bigger Pockets, he needed help with that. So I signed up for, for the assistant role. So that was one of a few different things that I had, uh, that we had kind of planned that I was going to do. I was doing some stuff for him personally. We were getting Open Door Capital started, but a big component of that 
uh, was was his uh, quote unquote assistant for for bigger pockets. So sure. uh, I don't do as much in that capacity now as I did a year and a half ago. But I, I'm still employed by bigger pockets, and I mean it's a great company. Everybody knows yeah. who they are. Uh, That's so awesome. It's, yeah. it's an so, incredible community. So Brandon Turner, you know, obviously is basically one of the main forces behind bigger pockets, not just the webinars and the podcasts and, and, and everything that, that he does there. But so you guys are neighbors now, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of my duties when I came out to help is he, he bought this, this nice house on Maui, but it also had a guest cottage out back an Ohana unit as it's called here. And one of my things that I was supposed to do was get the Ohana uh, rent ready and find a tenant. And I checked that off the list pretty early that I, that I did both. I accomplished both those things and, and, and I'm, I'm now the tenant. So <laughs> Uh, mission accomplished there, but it, it works out great because we live on the same property. We've got our own separate houses, but we live on the same property. And since we're always going back and forth, either business or just hanging out, it's great to great to have our own space, but be right here, so that we're always in contact with each other. I mean, he can yell back to my house. I can yell to his house if if we need something. So it's it's, it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. And it's living the dream. That's pretty big, you know, dichotomy. You know, jumping from from Maine, okay, probably the the coldest, you know, state besides for Alaska, obviously this coldest continental state in America, all the way, you know, out to Hawaii. So it was a big adjustment for you. You sound like you've, you've been in Maine most of your life from, from your Yeah, accent. I was born and raised there. I've left a few times and traveled around, but uh, had spent the past, I don't know, 10 or 12 years there up until moving to Maui. And my wife and I were looking for a change. We were ready for something different. And, and a lot of the, the reason that I had camped out there for so long is I was building my real estate portfolio. I was building my brokerage business. I was building a property management business. So I was really married to all of those things and, and kind of trapped, Yeah, I guess, in Maine, but I had finally gotten to the point where we were starting to look around for a, a change of scenery. We were just tired of the cold. I had been tired of the cold for a while, just unable to leave. But we were finally at the point where I didn't think we'd be able to move permanently, but we were looking for, you know, can we go down south somewhere in the winter or at least like one week a month and break yeah. it up a little bit? So when this opportunity presented itself to, to relocate to Maui full time, it was a no brainer. I, I, I jumped yeah. on. Were you able to keep like your, your businesses, your properties, and your management company, your brokerage in Maine while? You know, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I still have, I've got, I don't know, 50, 50 or so units, just small multifamily stuff, nothing, nothing crazy in Maine. And uh, a few months before moving to Maui, I had actually hired a, a third party management company uh, to take care of all that because I was starting to do some consulting, which required a fair amount of travel and was focusing more on my real estate brokerage stuff. So the, the, my properties, my portfolio properties were already in good hands because they were now being managed third party. Uh, I did give up my real estate brokerage business. I was going to get my license here in Maui and just uh, honestly have been so busy with all the other projects we've going on that that just kind of got pushed to the back burner and, and will probably never happen, which is great. I mean, I don't need to rely on that. So I did leave some things behind there business-wise and financially, but still it was it was just a, a great opportunity and, and has, has, has paid itself off tenfold uh, with, with the move. And it's obviously you know, having those rental properties and having, you know, the, the side hustle, as you put it, with uh, bigger pockets has, yeah. has yeah. allowed you to do that. But, but your newest project, which is something to me is really fascinating, that you and Brandon and Brian Murray, right? Uh, yes, yeah, definitely. Have, uh, you know, together, I'm missing anyone else there in the, in the main... Uh, yeah, we've got a team now, yeah, five or six people. So it's Brandon, myself, uh, Brian Murray is a huge part of it. We've got Walker Meadows, who does all of our underwriting. We've got Mike Williams, who's our investor relations guy. Tristan Thomas, a friend of mine back from Maine. He's an infill wizard, so that's his primary focus is just infilling parks all over the country. 
we brought on Micah, who's a local guy here in Maui, to just do some uh, financial reporting, accounting, administrative stuff. And then Brian's wife, Trisha, uh, runs his property management company, which which right. manages all of our, our mobile home parks. So she's awesome. Cool part yeah. So you guys started, you guys came together and then started this, you know, in your words. And I remember we spoke, I don't know, about a year ago or so. And, you know, Brian, I, I've known Brian uh, Murray for, for quite some time and, you know, kind of reached out saying that you guys are looking to build the biggest mobile home park empire, you know, that, that has ever existed, which is a pretty big feat, but it sounds like you guys are, are on the way. So Open Door Capital, you've created funds, right, where you yes. are raising money in those funds and then with the money in those funds, buying lots and lots and lots of mobile home parks. Yeah, that's that's true, and I feel like we're we're just getting started. I think we've right. closed on roughly fifteen million or so in the past few months. We've got another twenty-ish million under contract right now, and we're targeting fifty million by the end of the year. Which, yeah, is a pretty lofty goal to pretty much take over the world uh, as far <laughs> as mobile home parks are concerned. But uh, I think it's good to have goals, even if you don't quite hit them. And we're just in a in such a good position with the team members that we have. Uh, everybody has their own strengths, and especially with Brandon's platform, Brandon's reach. Brian's experience. I've kind of done a little bit of everything. You know, Walker's a, a wizard when it comes to underwriting and numbers. I mean, it's just a, it's a fantastic team. So if it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to be with this team. And uh, we're, we're all very confident. We've seen great results so far and, and just there's no sign of slowing down. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's incredible. I think just like, I'm not an Instagram at all. Not, I wouldn't say at all. I've kind of dabbled here and there, but I have an account and that's pretty much it. I don't think I, I, don't think <laughs> I, I have any followers. I, I spend, you know, I spend my social media is basically on LinkedIn and I've sure. kind of conquered that, that platform to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, a little dabble in Facebook. But what I find fascinating is I, I went to Instagram and I found it somehow through bigger, I don't know, I think, and I was just looking at bigger products and I found Beardy Brandon, right? And he's got like, I don't know how many, millions of followers or whatever. He's just, he's huge yeah, on Instagram. It's, it, it's pretty incredible. And I, I'm not a big, I've, I've, I've come to learn the value of social media. I mean, I was on, before I moved out here and, and really partnered up with Brandon, I, mean, I was on Facebook, just like everybody else just kind of scrolling through and Instagram. I was like, oh, it's for kids. And right. it's just another silly waste of time. But now seeing the power that that social media outlet has, uh, it, it's incredible. I mean, anytime <laughs> we need anything, whether it's, it's money, it's, it's, it's human resources, it's a contact for this or that, or somebody, we need some expert in something. Brandon just posts one simple thing on his Instagram and we're just overrun with, with quality Crazy. responses. Yeah. So, I, mean, I was uh, like that, scrolling through the, scrolling through the comments and one of his like random posts about, I don't, I don't know what, it was a little video or something like that. And it was like comments like, Hey Brandon, I just like put 50,000 in your fund. You know, yeah. I, Hey Brandon, from, from, from I'd love to invest post. with you. You know, like yeah. tell me how yeah. can I invest? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Just he just has a tr tremendous platform and that's kind of our, I think our competitive advantage in a sense is that, yeah. I mean, he's been on the airwaves for years. He has a tremendous following people trust him. They feel like they know him, even if they've never met him. And he is sincerely a, I mean, what you hear on the podcast is Brandon. He's the most genuine, nicest guy, humble that, you know, that you've ever met. So people, I think can relate to that. And there's a certain level of trust that's built up. So, you know, it's nice to have that on our side. And, and also along with that, it's a tremendous responsibility because all of us on the team are, are very much aware that that trust can be broken mm -hmm. a lot easier than it can be built. So we're yeah. very cognizant of that. We're trying not to, to overpromise anything or, or tarnish that reputation at all. So it's a, it's a tremendous responsibility, not only for him, but for, for everybody on the team. And we're very aware of it. So let me ask you why mobile home parks? 
There's a lot of reasons. And I mean, the, the idea initiated with, with Brandon, that was a, a, an asset class that he chose. And it just worked out that I had experience operating. I never owned mobile home parks, but I've certainly managed them for years. You know, been down in the trenches of just the nastiest mobile home park turnaround, like management, all of it. So I, I've got that component of experience, but he really chose that asset class. And, and what, what he says a lot, and I, I definitely agree with this, is it may not be the best choice, although we think it is, but even if it's not, you have to pick something and mm-hmm. go with it and be the best you can at that. So we, right. we could have picked anything. Could have been apartments, could have been retail. I'm glad right now it's not retail. But <laughs> it could have, could, could have been anything, but, it, but it's mobile home park. So yeah. And there's a lot of reasons that we like them. I mean, it's just the, their, their workforce housing, it's, it's, it's from what we can see fairly recession resistant. Mm-hmm. Everything that we own certainly has, has fared very well during even this recent COVID craziness. You know, we'll see how that continues to play out. But, you know, the recession resistant aspect, the ability to value add through infill is much different than, say, like an apartment complex where you've got to go in and actually renovate units. It's a, it's a whole different strategy with mobile home parks where you, you, you increase the value not by necessarily renovating things, although we do a lot of times improve the overall feel of the park. The value add is through, through infill of vacant lots which can be done you know, much differently than, than apartments or any other asset class. So we, we really just, we like the returns. Uh, we like the project. All of us find it fun. We, we just, we just enjoy doing it. And we oh, yeah, we've, got, you know, we, we've got all the pieces to do well with it. Well, that's important for sure. You know, having fun and enjoying what you do is probably the most important part of the, the whole thing. Obviously you got to be making money. You got to be closing deals and, yep. and you guys are certainly doing that. So that's pretty incredible. It's, it's fun to see it's fun to watch, you know, and to see something like that, that a project, you know, come together like that to the, at that capacity where you have so many moving parts and, and coming together to make something really big happen. So I'm glad to be a part of that in a, a tiny little, tiny little way. We're, just... we're, we're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think something a lot of people, I've spoken about it like a couple times on a few podcasts, but like mobile home parks are probably like the number one asset class when it comes to depreciation and cost segregation yeah. to getting those tax benefits. Yep. That's another big perk for sure. It's a, it's a huge part of it for sure. That's awesome. So what do you guys do in Hawaii besides for hanging out and, you know, buying mobile home parks? Well, outside of work, I'm a, I'm an avid scuba diver. So probably if I could make a living underwater, I would do it much as I like mobile home parks, I like scuba diving even better, but I've got to, I've got to buy mobile home parks to, to feed the scuba addiction. So <laughs> I'm in the water every chance I can get. And then, you know, it's, it's Hawaii. So any sort of outdoor beach activity, whether it's bodyboarding or surfing or snorkeling, hanging out on the beach, we're outside as much as we possibly can. That's so cool. That's really awesome. I know Brandon's been been busy. He told me he's, he's like in monk mode, finishing a, yeah. finishing a project finish right now. Yeah, he's trying to finish his book. Yeah. But I actually want to bring him on the, the Weiss Advice podcast so we can have a beard off. <laughs> yeah, you got a pretty good contender there. You may actually Again. have him beat. I can't see how does it go all the way down to the floor? It I goes, can't quite uh, see. It's not <laughs> oh, to impressive. the floor, but it's that's it's impressive. Pretty, all right. It's pretty yeah. big. Yeah, you can hold your own there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. So, so you, you go and tell Brandon he's got all a contender. Right. I'll put a bug in his ear. <laughs> we call him Beardy Yona. Oh, that's great. Hey, before we get to the final four, I just want to tell you about streamlined podcasts. Okay. I could not have a podcast if I didn't work with streamlined podcasts. As simple as that. These guys are my go-to. They do all the editing of these audio pieces that you guys are hearing 
And I really couldn't do anything without it. I literally tried to start a podcast for about a year and it was just daunting to me to spend time writing show notes, to do the audio recording, editing, taking out the ums, the ahs, the spaces, everything. These guys make it sound so crisp, so clear at such an affordable rate. And for my listeners and my listeners only, you're gonna be thrilled. If you're ever thinking of starting a podcast or you have a podcast, check them out at streamlinepodcasts.com. Set up a time to speak with them and use promo code WEISS, W-E-I-S-S, and you can get 20% off your first month if you do end up signing up with them. I guarantee you it's gonna be worth your while. So Ryan, I wanna jump right into the final four because I think we're gonna elaborate into these and see where they take us because I think there's a lot of a lot of value that can be found in these. And in fact, in some of our episodes, we've gone off in these tangent for a while. So first question for you is what is the worst job that you ever had? <laughs> That's a tough one because there's been so many bad ones. I would have, if I had to pick one, I think the worst job I ever had was selling Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door. It was, it was brutal. And anybody that's ever done it, it really, I think, just comes down to personality type. And there, there couldn't be a much more opposite personality type that it takes to sell Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door than mine. All of their training was just, I mean, the hard sell, the real pushy, like take advantage of old ladies, sort of like just whatever you can do to get them to give you your credit card number. Just, just push, push, push. Even if you knew it was a bad idea for them, it, it was awful. So I was just, I was brutally uncomfortable doing that. And I have no issue negotiating anything talking to people face to face, like that's not my problem. It was just almost being forced to put people in a position that you knew was, was bad for them. So even, even buying properties now, I always strive for a win-win, you know, I'm least, like I'm not out to just swindle people and take advantage of people. And that's pretty much what I was encouraged to do selling vacuum cleaners. So I think that lasted, I don't know, it wasn't very long, two or three weeks. And I brought in both my demo vacuum cleaners and dropped them in the lobby and, and, and headed out and, and, but it, it, living on the street would be better than continuing this. So yeah, um, that, that's got to be the worst one. Yeah, and that's a pretty good learning experience having to go through something like that. I mean, door-to-door sales to begin with is something that takes a special kind of person certain, to be able certain to do. breed, yeah. And when I say it was my worst job, get, I mean, keep in mind, I've done some just brutally like manual labor type stuff and, you know, just awful grunt work and plunging toilets and just all kinds of nasty stuff. Like, selling vacuum cleaners was the worst. I think I only sold, no, I sold one. My parents bought one. They were gracious enough <laughs> to, to buy a vacuum cleaner. And then like my best friend bought one, but then something happened. He missed his payment. So I had to go personally repossess it. It, it was awful. It was terrible. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glad that chapter's over. Yeah. That sounds like, sounds like it wasn't something to, to continue on for that long. What's a book you've read that's giving you a paradigm shift? I always give this answer to that question and it's, and it's getting cliche, but four hour work week, hands down, uh, was the one that, that did it for me just in a sense that it really made me think about like not having to be present 100% of the time for your business. So if you learn how to systematize things, you have the right people in place, you don't physically need to be there. And that's what really kind of kicked off my whole sort of new trend in being able to travel. I started, once I, once, once I read that book and it clicked, I started traveling a lot more. I was getting away and getting away from, from home. Uh, taking some vacations, taking some trips, just looking at it like, hey, you know, if I set up, you know, the right Google voice number and I have the right people in place, like nobody needs to know that I'm not physically in town. I can do this from from anywhere. So just mm-hmm. that part of that book had a tremendous impact on me. Wow. That is extremely impactful. So, and that, it really changes your life because you, you yeah. see that there's 
so much that can be accomplished without you needing to do it. Yeah, sure. And one of the first things I did when that when that light bulb went on was I remember Darren Sager was uh, he had he was hosting a meetup in, in Manhattan on a Wednesday or whatever. And I think he used to go to those. I may have even run into you at one of them. I no, it wasn't me. Uh, was he? Okay. <laughs> but I, you know, he, he sent out the email, Hey, I'm you know, this was like on a Monday or something. And, and like, Hey, I'm having a meetup Wednesday. And my knee jerk reaction to that was always like, Oh, I, I can't go to that. It's on, it's on a Wednesday. But then I got thinking about it and like, wait a minute. Yes, I can. It's a, it, I had like, it was 15,000 frequent flyer miles for a flight down there. I had to buy a hotel and, you know, went down and, and, and went to that meetup and, and enjoyed myself so much that I, I continued to go back every month. And wow. uh, that's where I, I originally met Brandon was he was speaking at one of those meetings, which then led to, uh, you know, me finding a, a mobile home park that he was looking for and us partnering on that to fast forward that now I'm now I'm in Maui. So like all of those things uh, really, really started at, at the at the kind of the mindset shift that I got from, from reading that's that. A, that's an incredible illustration of just how your whole pattern of your life just mm. really shifted in yep. just that, you know, just that yep. mindset. Huge. That's incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Another question for you. What is a skill or talent that you'd like to learn? Skill or talent? I still, even as a quote-unquote manager in this company, I still have a hard time, a lot of times, delegating. I'm getting better at it, but it's so often that I would rather just take something and do it myself, even though it may not be a great use of my time or that I'm not really qualified. And I'll tell you, the, the team members that I have around me, Walker, Meadows in particular, like he is so good at what he does. And so are all the other team members that it's getting easier for me to delegate because they're so good at it that, you know, it used to be like, I don't want to delegate because I think I can do it better than everybody else. And now right. like I'm seeing that, wait, there's people that can do this way better than I can. Why don't I put it on them? They, they're better at it. They enjoy it more. So that's helping me. But uh, it's, it's always an ongoing battle of like, I just, you know, the, the, the knee jerk reactions is I want to take it and do it myself too. Like, yeah, okay, hard. take a breath, delegate it out. So that's, I, I think I will, I will always continue to try to work on that and improve that. It's something I struggle with also. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, you know, delegating. That's human nature, I think. Like, yeah, they just want it to, like, it's just easier to do it yourself than it is to show somebody else. But it's not scalable. When you, it's not scalable. When you, yeah, it's when not you scalable. And the truth yeah. is, it, it, it's sometimes just wrong. It's not true. You know, there's oftentimes mm -hmm. it, it's actually becomes a lot easier to get someone yep. else to do it. You know, and I've found that just in, in parenting, I have six kids. And so that's something of training kids. So, you know, training, but like teaching kids how to, how to do things on their own, you know, helping around the house or whatever it is. Yeah, it's sure. great. It frees up, uh, you know, frees up things that, that I don't need to do. I thought that's why you had kids. So they can go mow the lawn, right. shovel the driveway. And that's, isn't that what, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's one of the upsides. It's definitely one of the upsides. Yeah. I don't have kids, but that's what, I, that's what I've heard. <laughs> it's worth it. It's a good investment. <laughs> and the fourth and final question is what does success mean to you? Well, it used to mean making as much money as I possibly could. That seemed to be the end all be all. Like, and I, I think that's what kept me motivated coming up through my early 20s and 30s and, and working hard and just a million hours a week is I was always chasing this, this, this almighty dollar. Yeah. And while that's still important, I mean, uh, I could personally do a lot of things with, with a lot of money that I'll be happy to do. But the older I get, the more I realize that the money is not really what brings me happiness and or my definition of success and i i think where that realization set in is this was another right around the time i i was uh getting off the four-hour work week is and i went to that meetup in new york i also like a month or two later planned a trip to thailand where my wife and i went to thailand for three weeks and i remember it was a i don't know tuesday or when weekday afternoon like 
I don't know, noontime and I'm sitting on the balcony of our condo that we had rented. And it was, it wasn't all, it was a very nice condo, but it's cheap over there. It was like 80 bucks a night and in a nice corner condo, 20 stories up overlooking the beach and the balcony. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this whole vacation cost me less than five grand. It's 80 bucks a night. I'm sitting here on a weekday sipping a drink and just with a spectacular view. This is awesome. I, like I wouldn't trade this for, for a billion dollars right now. Like mm. this is, this is what happiness is and success is. So that really shifted my mindset to, you know, it's more about just, just quality of life and doing things that I enjoy instead of just always sacrificing everything for, for, for money. Right. Yeah. It's incredible to when you, when you can come to that realization that it's not about, it's not all about money. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, life really is, counts. it's a factor, like it's still there and you've got to be responsible, but the, the ultimate, the ultimate satisfaction for me is, is, is it has nothing really to do with, with money. Money can buy things to give me that. But I mean, even on Maui, I can live here for, for virtually, you know, very little pay and, and still maintain a, a good quality of life and, and, and enjoy myself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, I think our listeners have gotten a tremendous amount of value from the short talk that we had together, Ryan. And I appreciate you, you joining us today and taking the time out. Where can our listeners find you? What's the best place uh, to get in touch? Well, you can hit me up on Instagram since I'm trying to get through that. <laughs> try, try to be more proactive there at ryan.murdoch21. Or you can shoot me an email, ryan, R-Y-A-N, at odcfund.com, like opendoorcapitalfund.com. You can get me either of those places. Or awesome. Facebook or Bigger Pockets Forums. I'm on those two. So. Yeah, he's in Bigger Pockets. He's got that yep. cool blue logo on uh, turquoise logo on his, on his thing. <laughs> awesome, Ryan. Appreciate you. Thank you so much again. And uh, to our yep. listeners, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure you know, having you on again. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.